It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Eat me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Podcast, the show that's so nice, we do it twice. Yesterday, Tears of Dolan, running back style, Hopefully everyone has listened to that. Joe breaking down the different tiers, why tiers matter. That was interesting. Some of the tiers he had with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon. Make sure you listen to that. Today's show presented by FantasyPoints.com. That is our go-to site. Me, Brian, if we want fantasy football information, it's FantasyPoints.com. You use the code FEAST, all caps, and you get not only a discount, but you get a chance to go against me and Joe in the season-long redraft league. Keep them coming. Sign up for FantasyPoints.com using the code FEAST. Get the DraftKings app on your phone. Use the code ROSS. Send it to me, ross at rosstucker.com. And if you want to make sure, you can send it to contact at RossTucker.com as well, and you will have a fantastic opportunity to join Scott Sheriff and James Williams. Those are the two most recent participants that I am announcing today. So now we've got Nick Legrat, Rob Chaffee, Scott Sheriff, yes, Carrie Underwood's keyboard player, who came up with the Tears of Dolan song, James Williams, who's also the commish, Scott Boyd, Kevin Herb, six down, eight more to go against me and Joe Dolan. Just make sure you're going over to fantasypoints.com and throwing that glorious code in there, FEAST, with all caps. Speaking of fantasypoints.com, we are once again, second time in the last three or four months, in the presence of greatness. Mm. Similar to the Wiz on Seinfeld, he is the guru. You are not. The original fantasy guru himself, John Hansen, a legend, is amongst us. Hello, John. Hello, Ross. Now, see, now you're starting out. You're you're forcing me to name drop here, but I uh, did meet Larry David at the Curb Your Enthusiasm party. And I was um, uh, a premiere party a couple of years ago, and I was introduced to him by Jeff Schaefer, the guy who created the league. And he was like, Larry, this is the guru. And he's like, yeah, the guru. And I was like, Larry, just FYI, I do not require people to call me the guru like the maestro. And, and he got a laugh. Then I got another laugh out of him. Then I tried for a third laugh in a row, and, and I, I fell down the stairs there with that one. But uh, good to be here and uh, chopping it up with you. I was just in the – the I've never done this this broadcast media thing you have here. I was just backstage, actually, as you were on there by yourself. So that was pretty awesome. Your green room, Ross, is phenomenal. I, I really enjoyed the pineapple that you had out there. So thank you. Oh, man. See, this is why the guru is a legend. He's the most knowledgeable guy, and he's hilarious. You can check him out on Twitter, at fantasy underscore guru. So I got a bunch of fantasy questions, but no offense, but how were you invited to the Curb Your Enthusiasm premiere? How does that happen? Well, Jeff Schaefer is 
Larry David's like right hand man now. So that's the guy who created the series, the league on FX. And he was just like a big fan of mine. And he reached out to me a decade ago. It started with, um, he wanted to use my cover of the magazine. He wanted to use the magazine in the show and he wanted permission. I was like, permission? Hell yeah. So one of the very first scenes of the league ever was the character Kevin sitting on the can reading my magazine, which I felt was the ultimate compliment. And then um, our relationship grew and then he wrote me into an episode and I was nice enough to include our guy, Adam Kaplan. So me and Adam Ka Kaplan were on that episode season two. So now that show is up and, and now he's like, again, Larry David's guy. He directs most of the episodes of Curb. And uh, again, he's a good friend of mine. He knows I'm a big fan. It was in New York. And so he invited my wife and I. So it was awesome. We were up there just uh, basically rubbing elbows with a bunch of celebs. That is amazing. And, and look, I think we talked about this the last time, but it's unbelievable how many celebs are really into fantasy football and that you've become friends with over the years. We talked about the names last time, but even like a couple weeks ago, you know, um, Joe and I had the pitcher, the 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 submarine pitcher, yeah, Brad Ziegler, yeah. Brad Ziegler on the show, and he he, I, I gotta tell you, I'm not. A, I know you're you're wearing the Dodgers hat. People can check out the Guru YouTube.com/slash Ross Tucker NFL if you want to watch the show, see what the Guru looks like. I mean, the guy's in his fifties and he looks like he's thirty-seven. It's uh, unbelievable. The fantasy football life is a good one. He's wearing a Dodgers hat. So out of all the sports guru, I probably like baseball the least. I just yeah. think it's boring and old and I don't like it. Yeah. So the fact that all the pitchers are like sitting there during the games, actually talking about football and their fantasy football teams in September, instead of the actual game that they're yeah. playing in. Oh, oh that's, for sure. I love that. I love that. It is unbelievable. I have uh, exchanged texts with four to five different Major League Baseball players during games. And a lot of these are, are pitchers, yes, and they're not maybe in the game. But I've asked many of them in terms of percentages like, okay, it's September baseball. And let's say you're out of the playoff mix. Um, what percentage of your thought process is surrounding fantasy football? And they're all like, yeah, it's like 90%. Uh, right around draft season. So it is amazing that, you know, the competitiveness and all that. And, and a lot of former players, they, they like the camaraderie. They like to compete. And obviously their playing days are over. And like the rest of us, they, they focus on fake football and fake sports and things like that. So, yeah, can't get enough of it. It's uh, tremendous. Well, and you know what's cool about it, too, is, you know, their season ends in September. It's kind of a way, even when they're away from the guys, that, they're kind of still connected to them because they got that fantasy football matchup in October, November, December. And the next thing you know, it's time to report and, and all that stuff. Um, let's Before we get into some of the uh, – because I want to get your thoughts in particular with your experience on COVID's impact on your rankings, whether that's rookies or guys in new spots. Yeah. What you're doing with the lack of information we typically gather – yeah. watching preseason games. Before we do that, I do know that we had a, 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 you know, you guys have beefed up your content at fantasypoints.com starting in August now. Just give me the latest. I, I don't need your 20-minute commercial. 
Yeah. I mention fantasy points every time I do the show. They know I love it. I don't, I don't need all that, Guru. But just give me yeah. like two or three really cool things you guys are doing. Well, I think one of the things that sets us apart is I don't think there's another fantasy football website that has a legitimate NFL insider. And I think that is more important this year than ever. And our guy, Adam Kaplan, who's been you know an NFL insider covering the league for over 20 years, he's got a lot of great connections. He talks to a lot of assistant coaches and things like that. So he's going to be, and he's starting to already, um, just busting out a lot of good little nuggets, just little tidbits here and there. They want this guy to be more involved in the passing game, this and that. And uh, they want to work in this running back to keep this guy fresh, things like that. So that's number one. I did uh, unveil or publish my draft plan article, which really, I mean, people sometimes want some handholding, especially those who don't really follow the league um, in the offseason. By the way, those people, the hardcore people, are going to have a big advantage this year over the casual fan who still today hasn't looked up you know, what's going on in the NFL. So the draft plan article is up there. It's just a, a bunch of different signature type of content, uh, you know, players that we're targeting, players that we're avoiding, the ADP analysis. There's all kinds of other type of articles that can kind of m- appeal to a lot of different people. You know, our guy Scott Barrett is like takes a more of a philosophical approach. Our guy Graham Barfield is more of an analytics and data. I kind of am more of a qualitative guy. So then I think the staff and, of course, Greg Cosell uh, influences a lot of what we do and say. I think we're very well-rounded and very, very experienced. So I think, um, by the way, if you're ever inclined to subscribe to a service, it doesn't have to be fantasy points. I, I truly believe this is the year. A lot of people are like, ah, you know, there's plenty of information out there. But there is. But how good is that information? Like you want to lean on people, experts who focus only on football. And of course, that is what we do. I've always contended, Ross, that I don't think you can be a true expert in terms of multiple sports. Like, I don't know how you're a true expert on football, NFL football and fantasy and then fantasy baseball as well. I mean, unless you're cloned and you're not telling us and there's two of you, I just don't see enough hours in the day. No, you're right. It's impossible. You can't. And by the way, you have an incredible staff of full-time guys and whatever, but just Kaplan's insider knowledge and Cosell's film breakdown, yeah, just those two things make you guys truly, even forgetting Graham and Scott and you and Brawley and Joe and, every, you know, just just those two things yeah. are huge. Um, here's what I wanted to ask you, and, and maybe the lockout in 2011 – shed some light on this, maybe not. But when you go through and you're ranking guys for this year, for your draft guide, I got this guy here, I got this guy there. Yeah. Was COVID on your mind either consciously or subconsciously in terms of, hey, otherwise I might have had this rookie at 12, I'm dropping him to 14. No OTAs, no minicamp, no preseason games. Like eight padded practices, yeah. was it was it on your mind as you were going through your rankings, whether it's rookies or you know skill guys that have new coaches or skill guys that are in new spots? Hundred percent, yes, no doubt about it. I think um, you know you you said a lot of flattering things about me and all that, and I, I I do believe that there are a lot of brilliant people out there in in the fantasy industry, and of course we've got them on on our side at Fantasy Points. But one of my strengths has always been 
being able to accept myriad pieces of information from a variety of angles and put it all in a blender and, you know, process it mentally and put the human touch on things like projections and all that. It's basically like an algorithm going on in my brain, Ross. I call it an algorithm, of course. <laughs> Spelling's a little different, but absolutely it 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 did factor in big time. So, you know, give an example. I, I'm kind of out on the Panthers and their passing attack. I mean, I feel like that is a lot to ask. A new head coach, a new system, a new quarterback, some new wide receivers, things like that. You know, the passing game largely about timing and chemistry. Hell, I don't even really like Tom Brady all that much this year. I know he's the GOAT, and I know that they've got a great receiving core, but Ross, you know, Tom Brady is a reps guy. I mean, maybe not as much as Peyton Manning, but he's a reps guy and he's not getting those reps. So I, I could absolutely see him uh, a little slow off the mark. Certainly the rookies are at a major disadvantage, especially the quarterbacks and the guys involved in the passing attack. But to veer off just a moment on that, I, I do think that narrative has been so prevalent. So my goal is, okay, I'm going to find the guys who are exceptions to the rule this year, the guys who can kind of rise above all these challenges here. On the flip side of the lack of uh, offseason and all that, obviously teams with great continuity like the Saints are at a great advantage this year. Even the Cardinals who broke in Kyler Murray last year and, and a new head coach and all that. So uh, those are some of the elements at play here. Uh, we want to focus a little bit more on you know, security in terms of uh, handcuffing our, our running backs, for example. Um, we are relying more on information, so I incorporate that. You know, you also, it really helps, I think, to have a great knowledge base going into 2020, just a general knowledge base. And, you know, this is all I've done here for 20 plus years. So, you know, knowing about trends with coaches in terms of are they hesitant to play younger players, things like that. Um, you know, what are their, what are their things that they, they, that set them apart? Like for example, Jay Gruden in, in Jacksonville, I don't know if everyone realizes and that, that Leonard Fournette is not catching 80 plus balls this year. Cause he likes to use a pass catching specialist, you know, personnel groupings and offensive identities and things like that. You know, this is the deep knowledge base that I have and other experts have and it's going to be needed more than ever. Like the Rams, you know, we don't know exactly about their personnel groupings. We do know that Cooper Cup's targets and production was down last year when they went more to 12 personnel. So I, I'm not against Cup. Always love Cup, but I like Robert Woods a lot more. I think his role is, you know, pretty static there. You know, you got to have a good filter, Ross, for listening and ignoring at times coach speak and, and things like that. You know, if I hear Frank Reich talking up Marlon Mack one more time, I think my head might explode. Um, if you love Marlon Mack so much, why'd you guys move up in the second round to get a stud in Jonathan Taylor? So, you know, and Bruce Arians talking up Ronald Jones. Okay. So why'd you use a third round pick on Keyshawn Vaughn? Uh, things like that. You want to lean more toward the 2019 tape, you know, Ross, you're a college football guy. You know, there's going to be a lot of guys likely entering the draft who didn't play. In 2020, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to go back to the 2019 tape. So you want to do that. Like Deontay Johnson was unbelievable on tape. So those are some thoughts there, Ross. Um, but I think we want to be savvy enough to cherry pick the good situations that 
can, you know, the players and the the teams and the coaches can kind of rise above. Like Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland, it's a new coach. People are like, oh God, new coach. But the moves that they've made addressing the book and tackle situation, for example, and and the offense that they'll run, it's just so perfect for Baker Mayfield and their personnel that I'm almost proceeding as if Stefanski's been there for years. Jason Garrett in New York, I think he's a good quarterback coach. So I feel okay about Daniel Graham in, in a new offense here. And there's some rookie wide receivers I think can rise above it and and some some values at running back as well. So I'll take advantage of of the downgrades that a lot of the rookies have had here in 2020. Yeah, two things jumped out to me about that guru. Number one, you know, what you said about the Carolina passing game, and maybe he didn't know it when he made the decision, but it makes it even more perplexing to me that Robbie Anderson right. went to Carolina. I know that he went Matt to Temple. Former coach. I, I get that, but like it would have been such a better move for Robbie Anderson and Sam Darnold and the Jets yeah. if he had just stayed in New York. I mean, he and Darnold kind of had a thing. Like they, they knew each other, and year three, I think, could have been really good. Uh, we'll see. I, I doubt that's the case. He also would have been the main guy with the Jets. Now I think he'll probably be second fiddle, you know, to DJ Moore in Carolina. Maybe that's what he wanted. I don't know. It just thought that was interesting. And here's the point I make, right? Because you brought his name up. I had the opportunity to play with him. When people say, ah, it's not that big a deal, OTAs and mini camps, it's not that big a deal. Why do you think Brady insisted on having all of those players-only practices? If it's not a big deal, do you think Tom Brady would be going out there and having all these guys go against what the NFLPA's recommendations are and risk getting COVID if he didn't think it was a big deal? He knows it's a freaking big deal. Hell yeah. He knows every rep, every time you get more familiar with the guys you're around – it, it pays dividends once you actually play the games. Like, if that stuff doesn't matter, then Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison wouldn't have gone out on the field an hour and a half before games yeah. and done the whole route tree. You think they just felt like doing that because they didn't have anything else going on? No. They think it makes a huge difference. And if Peyton Manning and Tom Brady think it makes a huge difference, I'm going with them. I, yeah. I, I think I, they got pretty good track records. No doubt about it. If they have any concerns whatsoever, any time in the off season, how do, how do you how do you you know take care of those concerns? Reps, reps, reps. And uh, boy, I don't know. Peyton Manning, he'd be in trouble right now in this year. I, I don't know. If, I think Tom could probably do it. He might probably be a little slow off the mark here. But boy, Peyton Manning, can you imagine Peyton Manning? Uh, going into a season with the minimal reps that these quarterbacks are getting with their receivers, that would not be good for Peyton. So when the season comes around, Guru, I'm a big DraftKings DFS guy. I just it's fun. You know, you pick your lineup, boom, you set it for who you think is going to have a good week that week. I like to try to find value. You know, now I've heard from people you want to try to get somebody that nobody else has, and you put them in and. If they hit it big, then you win. I I get it. What my question is, specifically as it relates to DFS during the season, is I always felt like at DraftKings that they would actually – like I felt like I had an advantage, especially the early weeks, because I watched the crap out of the preseason. Oh, me too. I love the preseason. I love preseason. I do too. I do too. I I can't remember what it is. Like – 
I, I know it's not the starters. I know what the like I get season ticket fans, but like take it for what it is. You know, like and watch it or don't. I don't care. I like watching guys competing for jobs, and it is by far the best evidence, example, research, information we can ever have for second, third, fourth string guys, rookies. Like people that don't watch the preseason, don't talk to me then when your fantasy team sucks or your DFS team sucks. Because you can, Guru, you can tell, not 100% of the time, but you get a really good feel for like, oh man, that kind of that guy kind of sucks. I think, or yep, yep, that kid's totally. good. I totally. didn't know it, but that kid is. I'm telling you, that yeah. kid is good. 100%. So when I'm doing DraftKings DFS the first couple weeks this year, what what am I doing without having the preseason games? That was always my advantage for DraftKings DFS was watching the preseason games. Am I just screwed? Do I just believe what the beat writers are saying from whatever small portion of practice they're able to watch? Like, what is your recommendation based on 20-plus years of experience when I'm doing DraftKings DFS the first few weeks of the season? First of all, I'm not – I've done very well on DraftKings myself, but I'm not a tournament guy. Like, I'm not a guy that you – I'm going to – I'm not a guy who's going to recommend someone who no one else starts. What I'll do is I'll say, all right, here's a good lineup. You want to go in a 50-50, for example, and finish in the top half, I think you're good to go. And I think, for me, I will, I will lean once again on that, on that base of knowledge and that general understanding. For example, I'll give an example. Henry Ruggs, and, and again, information. Our guy Kaplan continues to say that he's talked to Raiders coaches who say Ruggs is a very quick learner. And we all know why they drafted him. The ghost of Al Davis made the pick. They're, they're looking for a Tyreek Hill type of player. And, you know, he's going to be their Z, but they're already teaching him the slot as the, the news came out last year, last week. So that's a good sign. But we also know, speaking of Carolina, that their secondary is not very good. I mean, they lost James Bradbury. They're looking right now at you know, Eli Apple and Dante Jackson. I think Dante Jackson's okay, but he had a bad year last year. So there you go. I mean, that's that's just common sense. They The Raiders took Henry Ruggs as the first receiver off the board. They're, they want to get him involved, I'm sure, early to justify the pick and appease um, the Davises and, and even John Gruden. And the matchup is pretty damn good here against the Carolina secondary that I think is going to be one of the five worst in football. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, big picture. How much do you trust beat writers? I don't trust beat writers making fantasy recommendations. They're they're not very good at that. I, I will say. Well, okay, that. so let, let, let me take a step back. We don't have preseason games. It mm-hmm. sucks. We talked about it. We like to do it with our own eyes. You see the rotation. You see who they're playing. You can tell who the coach is like, and then you can see if the kids can play or not. Yeah. Give me. With, without that information, how much are you reading coach quotes? How much are you looking at beat writer observations? Or do you only trust like insiders like Kaplan who are getting the information sort of off the record from yeah. guys they know? That I will, I will trust that much, much more, especially the off the record stuff where, where we get a lot of stuff from Kaplan that we really can't repeat and we just bake it on in 
to everything. A lot of times, you know, in my, in the past, we'll get questions like why, why are you doing that? It's like, well, because no one else is. I'm like, well, yeah, that's the point because they don't have access to this information. So the NFL insider stuff is, is King. I think at the end of the day, again, I'll go back to that firm and large knowledge base that you, you hopefully have. And if you don't have it, maybe lean on someone who does. And then what you're looking for is your suspicions, all off season to either be confirmed or denied, I think. And, you know, you're certainly looking into depth charts as best as you can. You can't really use official depth charts, but you know, who's coming in first with who's running with the ones, things like that, which will start to get hopefully now in the second half of August as the padded practices commence, because I've actually did a a little informal poll of uh, four or five beat writers myself the last week or so. And I said, okay, information wise compared to normal years, what are you getting? And they're like way, way less, like 75% less. They're certainly not face to face with the players yet in general, although I'm sure that's starting now. So yeah, I think that pretty much summarizes it. Be a little careful. A lot of these beat writers are, I find a little hesitant to kind of go all in because I guess maybe they're afraid of, they want to stay objective or they're afraid of looking uh, kind of like a fool, but uh, I, I'm I'm willing to put my neck out there and go all in on some players. So um, if you do see a beat writer go all in on a player, though, uh, that would probably be a good sign because again, they're normally a little reserved and hesitant to kind of go crazy. Okay, here's another question I want your experience on because you've been doing this a long time. Guys like Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry. Okay, yeah, I wrote a story for the Athletic. Christian McCaffrey, forget touch it carries, forget even touches. Christian McCaffrey was on the field last year for 250 more snaps than any other running back other than Zeke and Fournette. That's essentially, Guru, five games. Like if a running back's on the field, 50 plays is a lot. So him being on the field for 250 more plays, that's five more football games that Christian McCaffrey played last year. Derrick Henry, I feel like I've seen this before with the big battering running back who has a couple big years, including a postseason run, and then all of a sudden it's like, what's the old commercial? Like, where's the juice? Like, Where's the beef? Where's the beef, right? So my question is, when do we start to get a little bit worried – about McCaffrey or Henry just given their recent workloads and when do we let somebody else draft them and say maybe it sounds stupid but maybe it's like you know what the last two years for McCaffrey have been ridiculous whereas Saquon you know missed several games with an ankle and was hurt for a bunch of games with the bad ankle maybe Saquon is going to be fresher and have a better year this year than McCaffrey is because McCaffrey's going on year three of heavy, heavy usage. What does your experience tell you with running backs and ridiculous usage in McCaffrey's case or with that pounding physical 250-pound style like Henry? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I think I'm more skeptical than ever. It's ironic because I'm all in on getting running backs this year because, you know, that's kind of the trend. And I think you want to get into the running back business or else you'll be left out 
in the dark. But that said, we understand why the zero running back thing was a thing. They can be volatile and, and banged up. So I, I want to focus on first couple of rounds. I really want to focus on running backs whose best football is clearly in front of them, like Miles Sanders, for example. You can even go Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake, of course, the rookies. Then you have the guys who I think Henry and McCaffrey apply. I mean, geez, McCaffrey's only 24 years old, uh, but, you know, three very active workloads there in three years. Um, so those, those guys are the guys that, like, I would say their best football is, is right now in the here and now. So I, I, I hear you, though. Uh, with Der- Derrick Henry, okay, I've never been a Henry guy. Um, I was okay with him last year. Uh, first years, I thought he was being grossly overvalued. And we saw in the AFC Championship game, my biggest problem with him is if they're behind, then he potentially is not on the field. But back to McCaffrey and Barkley, I actually was with you the whole way um, until I actually did the projection because I default to PPR. And when I plugged in the numbers, I, you know, I just had to keep McCaffrey at one. And it's a collaborative effort, too, over at, at Fantasy Points. But this time last year, I said – that McCaffrey's 23 years old with two full seasons in the books. So he's got a lot of experience under his belt, and he's only 23. So my prediction was this will be, 2019, the greatest season that McCaffrey ever has. And I still believe that to be the case, and I totally agree with you. Saquon Barkley is the exact same guy this year honestly i'm almost hoping if i'm gonna get a top two pick i almost want it to be two i i don't want to make that i don't want to have to make that decision because I'm, I'm i'm feeling it I, i'm feeling barkley having a monster year the thing is again i can't give him 100 catches like and give mccaffrey so mccaffrey still does win in the in the projection yeah it's gonna be uh fascinating and i, I was so happy that mccaffrey got that contract because when i actually dug into the numbers I mean, I, like they, they, they were running him into the ground last yeah. year. You better get compensated for that. Uh, speaking of compensating, you need to make sure you have fantasy points. Uh, it's huge. I mean, I, I, you guys have to have – is there any – there's nobody has a bigger staff. We guys have like 10 guys on staff. Yeah. Subscribe. Otherwise, you're yeah. going to be – you're going to be in the poorhouse. You better get a lot of people subscribe with that many owners, that many that many right. mouth to feed gurus. Right. That's right. Because I made um, these guys are all part owners and fully invested. Yeah. I, I think we have um, a, a large staff um, and a great staff. And I think we're doing pretty well, very well. I will say that the industry is down in, in terms of business and revenue. You know, I just this morning did a Google trend search and all that crap. And at this exact point last year, fantasy football on the internet in terms of Google was at 37% of its peak for the year. This day last year. Today, 7%. So the hardcore people watching this podcast and really listening are going to have a great, great advantage because what's going to happen is in about two weeks, Everyone's going to be like, oh, whoa, this is for reals. We're actually playing. I have no idea. Where's Tom Brady playing? Things like that. So the people who are really into it and watch videos like this and read uh, websites, they're going to kick ass this year, Ross. That is my contention. Well, you always kick ass. At fantasy underscore guru is the place to find you. Fantasypoints.com is the website. You know I love it. You use the code FEAST. 
That's how you go against me and Joe in the season-long redraft league. I love that draft. I love that league. I love trying to win against my listeners. Make sure you go ahead and do that. Guru, thank you for the time. I am at, by the way, Greg Cosell will be on tomorrow's Ross Tucker football podcast to break down the air raid offense a little bit. How do do you run the ball that well in Arizona with four wide receivers on the field that much? We'll find out from the GOAT Greg Cosell on tomorrow's Ross Tucker football podcast. For now, I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.